Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Good Humans Podcast. It is great to be here with a very special episode today. I'm sitting at Mossman High School. Uh, today's episode is going to be all around the environment. I've been lucky enough to speak at this amazing event and be part of this movement that we're trying to do, coming to schools and sharing some stuff around being kind to the environment. Today, we did our first pilot workshop. We got to speak to 150 students here at Mossman High School, where we had multiple different speakers who you're going to hear in this podcast as we come through the episode. Um, but we also got to speak to all these students who are so inspirational and doing their own things who are amazing. So right now, I've got one of the students from Mossman High School sitting with me who has probably one of the most beautiful names I've ever heard, Ashkia. What do you think of the workshop today, Ashkia? I loved the workshop. I'm so glad that I was able to attend and be given this opportunity to hear from so many amazing speakers and experienced people. And as a young person who's very passionate about the environment, it was so nice to hear so many equally passionate people with various levels of experiences and and ideas and learn from them and be inspired by them. Yeah, and you're doing some amazing work yourself. So why is the environment so important to you? Um, well, I've always been very surrounded by the environment. And as a child, um, I had very nature-driven parents and dad who loved surfing and, and lived on the coast. And so I was always um, around the ocean and, and always taught that it had to be protected and, and the value and that it gives to our everyday lives and, and always taught to be um, grateful as to what we have and and growing up and just see it be so mistreated has been hard and it's and it's made me want to help it and protect it. And you've been doing just that. You're, um, you must be in year 12 now? Yes. Year 12 now. You were telling me in year 11 last year you fear one of your school projects have designed something that is going to try and help and is trying to or well, is going to help the environment. So do you want to tell me a bit more about that project and why you did it? Yes. So last year I did Design and Technology Accelerated. So for my final major work, I made a soft plastic compressing home appliance. Um, so that basically acts as a middleman between the collection of soft plastics in households and the recycling of said soft plastics at facilities such as RedCycle um, and, and work like that in supermarkets and all, all that. Um, and for that project, I was chosen for the shape exhibition and I worked really hard to patent the design. And it's been a really great experience and yeah, I'm really excited as to what I can do with it. Um, yeah, so what is a soft plastic? So people out there listening going like, oh, maybe in the future you've got the pattern. Obviously, I was just talking to you off air. The next step is to try and develop manufacturing work with maybe an appliance company. I've actually got a friend who owns appliances online. Maybe I can connect oh. you with him. He's a very good guy as well. Okay. Um, 
but yeah, so so what is a soft plastic for those out there going like, oh, what's the difference between a plastic and a soft plastic? How yes. how will this appliance help me? How will it help people once they can yeah buy it to help with the plastic pollution problem we have? Um, so soft plastic is is quite easy to understand. It's think of it, it's literally plastic that is soft. It is plastic that has um, historically been hard to recycle. Um, you currently just throw it in a yellow bin and there have been really interesting um, companies such as Kirby who have who have looked into how that could be recycled and mm-hmm. all these different programs um, but it's basically been a very problematic plastic so it's 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 all those plastics bread bags um, shopping bags like Straws, packaging mm, all that kind of thing yep. the plastics that um, take up a lot of space, expand, and my design works to keep them compacted and easy to maintain and control for the individual in order to be recycled. I love that. It's a way that we can all take it into our own hands and start to yeah, really change our world. I'm sure that was something that in my presentation I just gave, I talk about the fact that we all feel a little bit insignificant sometimes. Oh, maybe I can't, I can't change the world, so what's the point? But yeah. it starts with us trying to change our world. And your design, your pattern of design, your high school student. Like, I think it's so inspirational. I think anyone listening right now can realise, you know what, if there's this young girl in a high school who can create a design to make a big impact, the least I can do is once it's out on the market, purchase something like this and take my take the bit of yeah. plastic pollution and the problem into my own hands. So you're doing amazing things. Thank Keep you. going. I am. Yeah. Um, I'm so glad that you got to attend the workshop today and have somebody who's actually making an impact and a contribution himself is so special. So thanks for jumping on Good Humans Podcast. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm going to, if you want, I mean, anyone listening, I'm going to, do you have Instagram? Yeah, I do. Do you do anything about your plastic stuff on your Instagram? I don't have a plastic Instagram yet, but I will be looking at that in the future all right once you have that let us know because i reckon you're going to be an amazing advocate for the environment and yeah continue doing what you're doing because you're going to make a huge difference so thank you so much for jumping on thank you so much for having me second guest i've got emma school captain here at mossman high school how special was that to have our first ever be kind to the environment at your school yeah it was pretty special and this term's been very special because this building's just opened but but we've never really had a um I'm not sure what you An called. event, an a, event a workshop. A... But I guess on this level, like with the federal minister and, um, yeah, the councillor, everyone, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So today we had um, the federal minister for yeah. the water and environment, Tanya Plibersek, here. Yeah. We also had Zali Stegel, the member, which is pretty crazy to think these people who are the leaders of our country have come here to really show yeah. the importance of what this workshop is. So what do you think of it? Did you enjoy it? Did you learn something? I think it's great. And I think a lot of our students have gotten a lot out of it as well. Um, I think, you know, there was a lot of different people that have spoken today, but um, there was a lot, there was a lot to offer. (laughs) There was a lot to take Um, in, wasn't there? (laughs) There was a lot to take in, but there was also a lot to be gained. So from it. Yeah. I think it was very valuable. I'm going to ask you one question because it's something that I spoke about in my little part of the workshop today. What's one thing in the environment that you're grateful for? Um, well, I just love the textures and the colours and the fact that they're, everything in the environment is just so different. And you can always go out your door and you can find something new. It's unlimited, isn't it? Yeah. It's so gorgeous. Me and my um, partner every night will walk down the beach at Mermaid Beach and watch the sunset and you can kind of like look full 360 yeah. over the sky or maybe 180 from the top all the way over and just see such a 
range of colors it's so amazing when we start to actually witness and take notice of how incredible the environment is one last question what's one little takeaway that you're going to take away from today what's one little thing that maybe you're going to add to your daily habits that can maybe help the environment a little bit more that you're Um, not already doing you're probably doing a lot as a school leader um maybe subconsciously but i I (laughs) subconsciously subconsciously i guess people are going around and doing little good and positive things to impact their world but I think I'm going to take away doing that every day but more consciously mm, yeah which I love I think that. Is important yeah I think as a leader of your school by doing that you're going to really inspire your yeah. fellow students to do the same thing so yeah thanks so much Hopefully. for jumping on and thanks for having us at your school today thank you for having us all right my next awesome guest here at Mossman High School my third and final student guest is Lily yeah, really into your science. Yes. Yeah. How great it was today to have some of the leading people in Australia when it comes to environment, to the leader of the country when it comes to the environment at your school today. I think, I mean, I think it's amazing and I'm so grateful that we get this opportunity because I know a lot of kids um, don't get this opportunity. So I feel super lucky that we got the opportunity. Um, and yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm really grateful for that. So what fascinates you about science and the environment? Tell me what you do at school that really <laughs> leads into this deep desire to yeah, make the planet um, a better place. Oh, I mean, we have an amazing science department. Uh, the teachers at the School for Science are just incredible. And I, I just, everything about the environment, I've grown up uh, a lot of sailing, um, uh, yeah, awesome things like that. So I, uh, I recently actually did a project, um, a scientific paper for Science Extension um, on the impact of warming temperatures on whales and their communication, like a how basically temperature influences um, sound waves. So kind of frequencies and, um, you know, the speed and the distance of sound. So I've been super interested in the marine environment of late. And um, yeah, I've also, I'm also taking earth and bio where we do a lot about, you know, the, the, the balance of the ecosystems and the ecology of our world, which is exciting. Oh my God, you sound so smart. (laughs) Tell me a little bit more about what, what sort of impact is the warming of the ocean having on whales? Yeah, so um, yeah, basically we're, we're, when we have warming temperatures in the ocean, our sound travels further and faster. So it means that when whales communicate, you know, the, the, whole, um, the whole connection between their environment and each other is going to be kind of disrupted as, you know, it's kind of like if you think that suddenly you're seeing things that are, you know, your, your, your perception of depth has gone. So you're seeing things that are closer, you're seeing things that are farther away that aren't actually closer or farther away because... Um, so yeah, which is really interesting. So it means that, you know, w- how close they think things are is changing um, and stuff like that, as well as anthropogenic. So human um, impacts are going to, you know, impact a wider uh, um, um, wider location um, area of the ocean as our sound that we make with like seismic surveys. Um, and, uh, you know, when we explore for oil and gas, that all that noise we put into the ocean is going to travel further and impact more whales. Wow, yeah. so fascinating. I guarantee every single person listening just learned something. <laughs> so thank you. I think it's really important to recognize that every action we make has a reaction and it's so important to understand that, yeah, we have to start being far more conscious of this stuff because not only the the things that we don't realize are having an impact, they're completely changing the whole ecosystem. So thank you for sharing that with yeah. us. And no, thank you. Yeah, thank hopefully, you for coming. Yeah, yeah, it's been amazing to have a chat to you and a few of your fellow students. You guys are doing amazing work and can't wait to see what you continue to do in the future. Thank you. I can't wait for you to talk to more people because I thought you had an amazing presentation. So thank you. Thank you so much. You have a great day. You too. Thank you. Okay. My next guest, the very, very special Valerie Taylor. 
thanks for joining us today. It's uh, it's amazing to have you as part of this event. What does it mean to you to see young people learning about the environment, which has been your whole life work? But yeah, what does it mean to you to know that young students are now getting educated around this? Uh, I think it's a start. I I would very be very interested to see how many of them next weekend to go out and pick up plastic off the beach, if any of them do. Uh, I can't really say. I spend a lot of time with young people who are very, very keen. They want to save the world. They've got no hope, of course. But if they want to and they try, they will make an impact. Mm. Uh, I'm more interested in people who have power to actually do it mm. right now because right now is when it needs to be done. Yesterday is when it needs to be done. It actually was needed to be done before World War Two or started. Well, when it was over, that's when the shit hit the fan. Well, I can't say that, can You can. I? You can swear all you like on my <laughs> podcast. Don't worry. Or block the students here who are watching. <laughs> oh. You're fine. And then because that's when I saw my first plastic was after World War Two. well after it actually. And uh, they invented all these strange things. My father made insect repellent boiling up rhubarb leaves using the juice. They're poisonous apparently. <laughs> things like this. They don't do that today. I go to get something to spray on my orchids and now I've got a choice of about 40 different poisons. Mm. Oh. It's a different world. It is. And yeah. I'm leaving it behind. I know that. My thoughts are still with how it was, basically not how it's become. Mm. Well, I'm not, it's not a good thing. I can't see very much hope. It is a little Which, bit sad. But I mean, everybody in this room would agree with me. They want to save everything. But have you been to India and China? I have. Mm. Indonesia? Great big garbage tips. It's crazy, isn't it? I spent a lot of time in Indonesia with my surfing and it's that's something that I feel quite helpless because we look around Australia and – it is so clean, like picking up a few bits of rubbish on the beach. Yeah, once again, it's going to change our world and make it a little bit cleaner in our immediate world, what we're living in, but it's those big places that are just mega, mega polluters. Aren't they? That just don't well, have any modern, accountability. Modern food and stuff goes to the islands now, but they don't get a garbage disposal. Mm. It's crazy. Burning plastic is very polluting. Mm. It's... Uh, it was the wonder invention when it first came out, mm. first invented. And look at it's doing to the world. I think the saddest thing is the fact that it, quite often it gets put back on the consumer. It's a mm. consumer's fault, but it's like, what about these companies like Coca-Cola, Amato, all these companies who are producing it and then telling us it's our fault? Obviously, it starts with us to stop buying these products. But well, you should I think, stop buying Coke. Exactly. Yeah, you know why? I used to pick up stuff. My husband and I get things off the bottom, off wrecks, covered in pollution. We'd put them in a glass of Coca-Cola. In the morning, they'd be shiny clean. 
What's, and you drink it. I what's that doing it. in your body? But the crazy <laughs> thing is we've, we've not only I, – I was reading a stat. I did some ocean cleanup thing a, a couple of years ago and they told us that in the 60 or 70 years that plastic's been around, we've produced more in the last 10 years than we have the previous 60 combined. So as much as it's, oh, we've got to pick up trash, we need to clean, it's like, no, 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 we've got to stop producing the shit. They have to. That's the only yeah. thing. And I, I just can't help but wondering if it's too late that uh, monoplastics all through everything, the waters, the soil, mm. you and me. Mm. But anyway, it's a long road ahead, but hopefully from conversations like today with young people who are the future, who are 100% of the future, can maybe start, yeah, trying to innovate and find ways and inspire people to really well, start to, to think about their actions. The producers mm. of plastic mm. stop using it. People don't want to buy their vegetables in a paper bag anymore. They like a plastic bag. Mm. It keeps better in the fridge. Yeah, we need to start questioning everything, which I think the yeah, work that you've done. Yeah, but in a paper bag you have to cut down forests to make paper. There's just too many people. I'm with Dick Smith on that one. Mm. Mm. Too many people on the planet. It would, According to the computer I read, it would take seven planet Earths if everybody, every human on this planet lived like the average American. Wow. That's a scary thought because the bulk of the people on this planet are, don't live like the average American. Mm. Anyhow, I don't have to worry. I've had my day. It's been a good day. Well, I want to thank you so much for the work that you've done. I've the, had the best time. You've had the best time ever. It's so much underwater exploration, so much conservation work, so much activism to make this world a better place than you left it. And like you said, it is moving in the wrong direction, but we're going to carry the torch. We're going to continue doing the work. And I want to just thank you so much for everything you have done. Well, look, it's a pleasure. I'd like to do more, but I can't. I don't have much time left, I don't think. It's... Uh, I don't know what you're going to do. It's going to have to be a worldwide effort to make the big difference. Mm. It's, in a way, a hopeless situation. The world I knew when I was young does not exist anymore. Mm. I know one island, just a coral cave, where you go and it's, Never been touched because the guy on the island won't let anybody fish or spearfish. It's so important. What, what, what he does, he gets $25 a head for divers to go there and see how it was. Wow. Isn't that something? It's crazy. The island is rich. The people on it are rich mm. by island standards. One little coral island. Wow. Well, thank you so much. It's uh, yeah. so beautiful. Oh, well, I didn't do anything on that. No, but thank you for sharing your stories, for sharing your knowledge and for sharing your passion for the environment because I know every student in the room and every adult in the room is very inspired by the work you've done. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. You're the best. Okay, let's keep it up. Don't <laughs> clap! You! No claps. Please. <laughs> I don't like being clapped. <laughs> Next guest, Cal Glansnig. How you going, brother? Fantastic. It's been an incredible day. So glad to be here. Mate, how, how special is it to be involved in an event that is trying to really spread 
ocean awareness specifically, but also just being kind to the environment. It's something that's been a big part of your life. You were one of the key speakers here today and you're someone who's representing Australia on a global scale for being a young person helping the environment. Do you want to tell us a bit about the work you do? Yeah. So I guess growing up in Cronulla, I absolutely love the ocean. I love surfing, playing water polo, swimming. So all of my childhood was spent at the beach and my sort of journey began in high school when our school I was pushing to get solar panels installed because I watched Al Gore's In the Inconvenient Truth and that just frightened the heck out of me about this climate change problem. And I thought, okay, well, what can I do as a student? So I pushed really hard um, for a couple of years and then ultimately um, led the school to install $100,000 worth of solar. And then that sort of blew away like a lot of, you know, other captains and other school leaders across Sydney when they're like, oh, how the heck did this 17-year-old pull that off? And then so I went around to other schools and helped a lot of schools install solar. And that sort of kick-started my journey and way of thinking that, hey, if you've got this problem, you know, regardless of your age, like don't just sit around and think about it, just go out and do. Mate, I love that. It's so nice to hear people try and create a solution for a problem which seems probably unsolvable for somebody at such a young age and you're really doing that. Tell me a bit more about your connection with the UN and this new chapter now that you've done that when you were younger, but now you're doing some massive things. Tell yeah. me a bit more about um, yeah, the partnerships you have. Yeah, so in my first semester of uni, I started an organisation called Plastic Free Cronulla. So we pretty much tried to shift the way that our community thought about plastics, so working with the businesses, working with council, um, local, uh, state and federal government. So we're very fortunate at the time. So our prime minister at the time was our local member. So we are able to really push some national legislation, some state legislation, and that led me to being selected onto the World Ocean Day Youth Advisory Council. And that really just opened my eyes up to this global problem and also the global opportunity that we do have with collaboration with, you know, we in Australia have such an opportunity to lead all these conversations. So, yeah, I was fortunate enough last year to be invited to go to the United Nations COP27, so the Climate Change Conference of Parties uh, over in Egypt, which first time in Egypt, it was a uh, very crazy saw the pyramids rode a little camel around got got the money shot but it was um yeah going over there like the biggest takeaway was just this international youth community and this amazing energy that you know my generation and the generation that's you know sort of coming up has to solve these problems and at the end of the day like we might only be like i'm just turned 23 we might only be 18 17 you know well regardless what, what age you are we just can't afford to sit around because, you know, one day we're going to be in positions of power, we're going to be adults and we're going to be given this world that if we don't act, then why do we expect things to change? Mm, wow. So what are some things that people can do listening? You obviously have such a great <coughs> mind when it comes to things that people can do. You obviously so around this thing. What's something that somebody listening right now, what's like Top three little tips that they can make a bit of impact themselves. I think the top three. So the ways that you can have power, one's voting. And we do have a huge opportunity in October to vote yes for the voice because that is going to really shift the way that legislation across the country treats our environment. And if we can add an Indigenous um, you know, voice to the constitution, then that should have a really strong impact. So the way you vote, you know, local council, state government, federal government, like every time you vote, Um, not just politically, but also with your dollar, you know, that makes a huge difference. The other main area of change is just working out, all right, well, what's my circle of influence? What, you know, as you say, you know, how can I change my individual world? And, you know, is it your school? Is it your parents? Is it your grandparents? Just having conversations and let's just normalize 
action. Like let's not normalize being silent and, you know, just trying to internalize all these emotions and all these things that we're feeling about these environmental problems. Like let's just go out, talk to our friends, talk to our family, talk to our principal, our teachers, you know, whoever it is, our boss at work, um, because every conversation that you have is taking action and every action, you know, subsequently leads to bigger and better things. Amazing. You got a third one? Uh, yeah, third. <laughs> I think the, the, <laughs> there you go. I need a notepad. But the third one, um, I think the biggest thing that I can leave people listening with is that we haven't solved these problems. So the third one is actually, you know, on you to go and create, you know, these solutions because we're, you know, about to face a really hot summer. We're about to face a lot of different environmental catastrophes as we've seen the record heat waves in Europe over this, you know, winter for us, but summer for them. We've got the lowest level of Antarctic sea ice at the moment. We've just got all these different problems that we're facing. So we haven't solved it. There's no silver bullet solution. So the third piece of advice is to just get creative and, you know, you might be the one that solves it. Amazing. Well, mate, thank you so much for being involved in today. Thanks for jumping on the podcast. We'll have a full chat about your story because you're an interesting dude. But yeah, thanks for having a little input today. Cheers. Thanks, Cooper. Legend. All right, my next guest, another panelist today speaking, our youngest panelist, Sophia Spicaris. <laughs> I got it wrong, Skiparis. Skiparis. Skiparis, how you going, so? I'm doing very well, how are you? I'm very good, thank you. Yeah. So you're out of school now? Yes, yes, I'm 20 years old. 20 years old. How cool is it to come back to a school and be able to share your knowledge, you're doing some amazing things when it comes to the environment? What do you think it would have meant to you to have something like today when you were at school just a few years ago? That's what I was thinking, like standing on stage and speaking to the younger generation made me really appreciate that I would have loved something like that when I was at school. Hearing those voices and hearing the stories and knowing that they can make a difference and working out how they can make a difference through listening to the stories and being inspired by by what was presented today because we had some amazing speakers from animal conservationists to plastic pollution to mental health and how that they they know that they can make a difference in their own worlds. Mm. And you've been making a big difference in your world. Back in high school, you created a petition to stop single-use plastic in New South Wales and have had a huge impact from that pilot that you sort of created. Tell me about that, What where that idea came up and then, yeah, what it was like doing that and now the work that you're doing now. Yeah, I used to play professional football and for me... Being in nature and playing sport allowed me to be in the moment and not have to worry about school or what was happening at home. And one day when I was on the football fields, I started to notice that there was being plastic discarded everywhere. And I went home and I was like, where is this plastic coming from? Where is it ending up and whose fault was it? And so after that, I knew that I wanted to be part of the solution. And the one thing I had was my voice. And using my voice, I wanted to educate the people around me to let them know that this is not okay and we need to do something about it. So I thought a petition would be a great way to involve youth because we didn't have a voice. We didn't have, um, we couldn't vote at that time because we were only 14, um, but it was a great way for them to have their voice in parliament. And so I started a petition to ban single use and heavy retail plastic bags in New South Wales. And that was back in 2018. And from that, I collected over 12,000 handwritten signatures and 6,000 of those were school students. Um, And that that then led... You good, keep talking. 
Um, so then after that petition, I was really lucky that my local member of parliament was the premier of New South Wales at the time. So she presented it in front of parliament. Um, but it was really disappointing to see that those who were in positions of power did not care about our future or the future of the environment. But that's one thing that led me to keep going. That barrier that I had with the politicians saying no led me to then start my own thing within my own um, community, which was the Sustainable Sports Program, which I run now. Um, and it's so beautiful to get youth. I think that's one thing that I am so passionate about is getting the youth to have a table, have a seat at the mm. table, allow them to have a voice where it matters because we are the leaders and we are 100% of the future. I love that. And now it is single-use plastics abandoned in New South Wales, yeah. Yes, so you were the pilot. Yes. You were probably the initial push that really made that happen. I was with James Griffin, with Sam Fricker actually, um, when he was telling us, hey, we're about to announce this in a few days, yeah. which is pretty cool. Um, at the time I had lots of meetings with one of the environmental ministers, Matt Keehan, who um, – we spoke about having a plastic policy and then I think also all the organisations like Take Three for the Sea, Australian Geographic, Surfrider, all of us were pushing and I think what led us to actually make that change was having that youth perspective. Mm, which I love. It's so cool to see what you're doing. So great to see you standing up on stage and sharing your story for the younger students because I know there was plenty of students, there's a few sitting here watching us now, who would have been inspired by your story just a few years older than them and, yeah. Looking forward to hopefully if we when we do a few more of these, coming around to some regional places and letting you speak to the students too because I'm inspired by your story and I know everyone listening will be as well. So thank you, Kiefer. Thanks for jumping on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. All right, Ben Desson, mate, how good was today to be involved in something that is obviously so important to you, the environment, the biodiversity, the animals that we have in the environment. How cool was that to get to speak to students today and share your passion? Oh, it's, it's always a thrill. You know, you come away from these days and seeing the passionate young people and the energy that they've got and the positivity and the hope um, and it just it sort of yeah, re-energizes re you I guess to keep doing what we do um, and you know, even just at the end they come up and the, the questions that they've got you can see how carefully they listen to everything and the different ideas that they have and they've already got you know study plans and things mapped out um, it's really inspiring and it, it's definitely definitely gives you that hope for the future when you see that the next generation are, are committed mm. at least some of them are to to really playing their part and doing what they can to, to help protect our planet. Yeah, I think it's so important. So, mate, tell me, and we'll tell the listeners, I know what you do, I just watch you talk. So <laughs> maybe tell the listeners what you do and what got you so inspired to do what you do. Sure. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of people I meet that work in our space, you know, with wildlife and animals and, and conservation, it's 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 in their blood. You know, it's all they've ever done. It's all they've ever known, you know, from the minute you could walk and talk. Um, it's, it's what you've been passionate about. So that's that's definitely the case for me. I've always been passionate about animals and, and the environment. And I was very lucky to have parents that supported that. And I grew up in a house filled with every creature imaginable. Um, you know, started with one pet snake. And then before we knew it, we had enclosures in literally every room of the house. Um, snakes, lizards, tarantulas. Um, you know, frogs, birds, all sorts of things. And I, I became a wildlife carer when I was quite young as well. So we're always raising a, a baby flying fox or a baby wallaby or a possum and, and releasing them into the wild. Um, so it was really that childhood, you know, immersed in nature and immersed with you know, animals that then, you know, made me commit the, the rest of my life to, to doing what I can to help protect them and hopefully share that passion I've got with others. Because I think when people have a close up experience or encounter with an animal, you know, we had the snake here today. Um, can really change their perception and you know, even if one or two people go away go okay snakes aren't so scary I'm going to tell my family and friends that you know don't don't get the shovel out if you see a snake in the on the property or in the backyard um, then you know I've done done my bit if you can just you know change a, a couple of people's perceptions about some of the 
you know, maybe less desirable animals. Oh, I, I reckon I've changed my perception a little bit. I, I hate <laughs> snakes. When you walked out with that yeah. snake, I almost ran out the yeah. room. I'm just like... Yeah, the hairs on the back of your neck. Oh, snakes just like... Yeah. Like spiders, I'm like, whatever. Yeah. Snake, like spiders, I'll like catch them in a jar and take them outside. And yeah. Like, I, I love animals too, but snakes... Yeah. They seem unpredictable and sneaky yeah. to me. Well, it's quite normal to be fearful <laughs> yeah, of them. Like it's an ingrained thing. Like if we go back to, you know, caveman days, mm. you know, snakes can kill you. Yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a normal, you know, emotion, normal response mm. to have if you see a snake. Um, but, you know, what I hear time and time again is people are, are scared of them, fearful of them. But then when they see them, they even have a hold, they get up close and they go, oh, like I've got this perception because mum and dad have always told mm. me snakes are bad. Don't touch them. They can kill you. Um, but even the venomous ones are not not out to get you. And most venomous species of snakes are incredibly shy, gentle, amazing creatures. And when you see them just going about their day and doing their thing, mm. you know, you can really, you can see them in a different light. I love that. Uh, maybe I won't be as scared of snakes anymore. <laughs> I want to ask you one last question going sure. off what you spoke about today because I think this is something that's going to impact everyone who listens to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Rescue Australia. We had our mm-hmm. big bushfires back in 2019. We lost yeah. b- billions of animals. Yeah. Tell me what the new project that you've founded or you're involved in Rescue Australia, what that is and maybe how people can get involved as it's launching. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess, like you said, Rescue Australia is off the back of the last couple of years, the the horrific natural disasters Australia has seen with the the 2019 fires and then the floods. Um, And there's there's unfortunately more of that to come. I feel like this is just the the beginning of, um, you know, the planet is is in a bad way and, and, and screaming out for help. Um, and we really need to, to have a national task force or a national response that can help wildlife and animals in particular in natural disasters. Um, so that's what Rescue Australia is. It's basically a coalition of people coming together around the country um, to create this, this national task force that can respond. So if there's a bushfire, we can get teams out there that can go in and, and help get animals out um, and, and then re- rescue, rehabilitate, release um, but also to regenerate populations. So a big part of what we do will be breeding critically endangered species. Um, in the 2019 fires, entire populations of species were wiped out. Wow. Um, you know, an entire species of reptile or frog or even fish um, wiped out in these in these fires. So what we need to do is we need to be breeding them and have insurance populations in captivity that we can then go back into these habitats and, and reintroduce them and release them back into the environment. So we can you know, help the environment bounce back, help the ecosystems bounce back quicker because um, these yeah natural disasters are only going to get more intense and more frequent which is scary <laughs> yeah it definitely is is there any way that yep. people who are listening can potentially get involved is that i'll leave it in the show notes but yeah. a way that people can join up because i know there's going to be a lot of animal lovers Absolutely. out there who might go you know what if yeah. there's a natural disaster and i feel helpless i'm safe yep. and i want to do something and yeah maybe yeah maybe there's people out there who want to get involved definitely so it's still very much in its infancy yeah. stages so yeah check out we'll have a we don't have our website live yet but there'll be a rescue australia.org website that will be coming live soon um reach out to me on socials as well because if there's different people with different skill sets um and just even just passionate people that want to volunteer there's going to be so many opportunities for people to get involved so amazing. keep an eye on the socials uh, and online and um yeah there's definitely more to come amazing well thanks so much for being involved today inspiring the students i know all of them would have left hopefully feeling not as scared as snakes because you brought your snake and showed them all. Um, But yeah, I think as well, we're just going to all understand how important it is to take care of our animals and our environment. So mate, thanks so much for jumping on. No, thanks Coops. Appreciate it. Legend. All right. Tim Johnson, the man who's created this amazing, amazing event. First of all, thank you for involving me. It's been an awesome process and it's been quite quite a long time coming this event. It's just finished. We were just chatting real quickly before we sat down to record. Um, that we think it's a great success. All the honorary members said they loved it. What does it mean to you to be able to have this sort of impact on students? 
I, it's been really good actually, Coops, to hear the feedback from everybody. And I think one thing that stuck out to me was the principal said, you just don't know what resonated with each young person and where that's going to come out in the wash in their personal journey. Mm. And especially like I, it was great being up there to just ask for feedback. And even when you did your uh, specific talk, which we've been really intentional because we're so excited about the be kind to the uh, environment movement that you wanted to start and and how just making sure that we're being kind to ourselves and others is at the start of it all. Mm. And, and everyone put their hand up and said that they really got something out of your talk. And then I just saw everyone's reaction across the whole community and I was really surprised to see how well it went. So I, I was stoked. Nah, it was so good. Maybe we'll rewind a bit. What um, Why did we do this event? Tell me like what your passion was, how you came up with this concept and then, yeah, how it's evolved into these workshops. I feel like I trip and fall into things. Yeah. Like I don't feel Fail like, <laughs> yeah, I just feel like things start as something and then they end up as something else. So it just it felt a little bit like something has been growing organically as I've been meeting people. And then my personal passion has been to help get behind young people and their passions. And particularly as I've started to meet more people on my own artistic journey in painting the ocean and then meeting people who are passionate about it, I got more into wanting to help the environment. And I think I've just started to meet more like-minded people and then realize there's actually a lot of young people out there that feel like they want to be a part of something if there was a vehicle if it there. was an easy way to get in and i feel like crea- creatively creativity often opens up a door that anyone can input in whatever way they can mm. and so for me uh that's what i i see has sort of opened up and then uh the conversation has been going on yeah i think you've pulled together such an amazing event from having speakers in all different categories so as you said you don't know what each student's going to take away because one student might really be into um, animals one might really be into the ocean one might really be into flowers every student would have got something out of today and I think you've like organized it and pulled together such an amazing event I'm really excited to go to the next events moving forward what do you want to do with this event are we going to do this yearly are we going to grow this into something bigger well I think it's always good to just put one foot in front of the other. And, and so I, I've learned that (laughs) I've been learning that I've been trying. So yeah, I think this has an opportunity to be a model. My hope originally was just, it was exciting to see the New South Wales government get behind and support this to go out. It was exciting to see other businesses, exciting to see young entrepreneurs like yourself and, and younger sort of personal brands of, of influence in all different sort of areas and, uh, young entrepreneurs want to input and I feel that that is something that young people in regional areas don't really get a chance to have in front of them mm. and it's really about the power of storytelling. It's really about the power of the personal story and giving someone else an opportunity to hear that and I think uh, this model in involving community in supporting and valuing young people is a good model that could be adopted in other places. So yeah, I'd just say watch this space. Yeah, I'm excited. There's <laughs> Keep gonna it be, safe. <laughs> there's going to be plenty more, but, man, it's um, it's great to be involved in it. Thank you for yeah. really leaning into some of my themes with Be Kind of the Environment. And, yeah, it's been special to be a part of it. I'm looking forward to the rest of them. This is going to be the last chat on this episode, so I'm going to ask you the question I finish all of Good Humans podcast with. You might have heard an episode or two, so I'm going to I ask you what does being a good human mean to Tim Johnson? I, I, uh, I think 
I can't steal yours, but it is about being kind. I think that's the best thing you can do is if you think about how you can be kind, you're probably going to do a better job at anything. I love that, mate. Well, thank you so much for putting this event on, bringing together all these amazing speakers, letting us speak to this beautiful school here at Mossman in their brand new building. It's um, been amazing. And we had the federal minister for the bloody country about the environment. Like you've pulled together something really special, which is going to have a huge impact. So, mate, thanks for involving me and thanks for jumping on Good Humans podcast. Pleasure. And it's exciting to be on here in Good Humans. Yeah, we'll have to have a full episode with you soon. Thanks, brother. You. (laughs) Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.